Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Coach Steve Show podcast. Today, sitting down with me, was gracious enough to come on, uh, Coach uh, Hodgen. He is the OC at Shenandoah University. Coach, thanks for being here. I really, really appreciate coming, you coming on here. Oh, Coach, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you asking me. Yeah, uh, you're an air raid guy, so I said yes. That, <laughs> right there, that, that drew me in. Um, so before we dive into all of that um i'm curious of how did you end up at shenandoah like what made you coach what 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 led you to be there where you are today probably took a little bit of a non-traditional route to get to shenandoah um going back many years i grew up in the home of a high school coach um i really didn't know there was any other profession in the world and so when it came time to make a college decision the where to go to school was a lot more challenging than what I was going to major in. Um, I was going to be an education major. I was going to teach and coach. Um, as my career started, I was at the high school level as an assistant for um, about a dozen years and then um, had an opportunity to be a head coach at the high school level. And then after a handful of seasons there, I got a an unexpected call from a uh, Mike Dunlevy, who at the time was the head coach at um, Avery University in Danville, Virginia, and asked me to come join his staff. Uh, I'd always been a little bit curious as to the differences between the high school level and the college level. I took the leap of faith um, and was with him for a single season. Uh, from there, I went to be the offensive coordinator at Emory & Henry, which is in Southwest Virginia in our conference. And then after two seasons there, um, there was a change in the head coaching position at Shenandoah and Coach Yoder, um, 
who came from Hobart in New York, when he got named the head coach, um, our conversations began quickly, and he offered me an opportunity to come to Shenandoah to run his offense. Um, what did you find the biggest difference was when you went from high school to college? Like, what was it? Was there any like a huge adjustment, or was it just like, man, I do football now twenty four seven. I don't have to worry about anything else. I think the trade off, and I've had you know numerous guys talk to me uh, throughout the years about the difference. I think the number one difference is um, you're either teaching classes or you're recruiting, and that's that's the trade off there. So, um, you know, I, certainly I don't teach classes in season now. I do teach in the off season in the spring semester, um, but in season um, it's it is an awful lot of football, um, you know, with film study and game prep, which I'm sure we don't do any more than anybody else at any level does. Uh, but then you, um, you kind of cloudy the water with, you know, next year's class or, or the classroom two years from now. So the recruiting calendar uh, is just a circle. There is no beginning and end to it. Um, and so in season, I probably spend – you know, 40% of my time, um, you know, watching film of, of guys that we either will choose to recruit or choose or decide not to. And, uh, you know, with film evaluation of, of guys either in the next class or, or two classes away. Um, how much did COVID affect your guys' recruiting for you guys? I know some schools weren't, some it did, and, you know, it's kind of different everywhere. I think it, it, the major effect that we felt was not so much on our campus. I thought our university, beginning with the top of our administration, did an unbelievable job in being out in front of the challenges. Uh, we were actually in – the spring of 20, we shut down in the middle of March like everybody else. We were virtual for the rest of that semester. But for the, you know, for the, the 2021 – school year we were in-person learning the whole year on campus so the challenges that we found in recruiting were that most of the high schools in the mid-atlantic region of the united states were virtual so it was you know school visits were out that was that was not a possibility to you know to go see a, a high school coach or or a potential recruit in the school um, obviously, in the in the state of Virginia, where a lot of our recruiting comes from, uh, they did not play in the fall, so we didn't we didn't get for the for the you know for the incoming freshmen that we're going to welcome in about three weeks. Um, we did not get to see any of them play in the fall because they didn't play. Uh, they had a an abbreviated spring schedule. Uh, we chose to go the exact same route. Uh, and just because it was all kind of mashed in there together in a handful of weeks as opposed to spread out over 10 or, you know, 12 weeks, um, we did not see our recruits play live nearly as much as we would in a normal cycle of recruiting. Yeah, some people – I think everybody's in the same boat, but there were some that got to go, but it was weird. Some played in the fall, some played in the spring – so I know that affected a lot of people. And then some were coaching in the spring while high schools were playing in the spring. So like, how can we recruit this? So it was a lot of texting, a lot of social media, a lot of phone calls. Sure. What they were telling me. 
Yep. Um, that was that was it. And there were that you know that had a part of my recruiting area is um, I have the state of North Carolina. In North Carolina, the public schools didn't play in the fall, but the private schools did. And there were, you know, a fair number of, of North Carolina private school uh, kids that I was recruiting, but the fact they were playing, they were not allowing fans. And so I still couldn't go see them play live. I could watch the live stream of it, but, uh, you know, still could not be in the stands, even though we were not playing. And I had time and opportunity to make those trips, but, um, you know, just, the limitations that we were all on, uh, you know, prevented that. Yeah. Well, now hopefully it's back to normal. There's rumors we're going to go back, but I hope not. I think we'll all lose our minds. If we well, I, I think we are getting closer to normal, at least through the lens that I see things. And um, I'm actually welcoming that and looking forward to coaching this fall without a mask and, um, you know, seeing our guys again. So it'll, that'll just, you know, it's something to look forward to. And again, we're reporting here, um, you know, in about three and a half weeks. So, you know, we're getting excited. I'm just glad to know what players and students look like. I just saw their eyes for the past <laughs> year. <laughs> exactly. And then we, we, they told us they had to wear a mask underneath their face mask. And we said, so they have to have a mouthpiece, the mask and that. Well, then they changed it to that Velcro one that went over the face mask. And I keep telling people that's the dumbest thing because it just covers the face mask. And then what happens during the game comes off. Well, somebody made an awful lot of money off of that idea. Well, that's the second point was I got mad at it because how dumb it was. And I said, but wait a minute. I could have made a lot of money if I came up with it. Exactly. The mask thing, they made a lot of money off that. They made a lot of money off of. And the gators, they had the one that attached to the face mask. I was like, well, I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> oh, that was, that was so dumb. Um, did you guys get to play? Did you have to play in the spring or the fall? We did. We played in the spring. We played, uh, we played a five-game schedule in the spring. And how'd that go for you guys? Was it like I – mean, if it's like us, the restrictions were like mask, three feet on the sideline, which – it's hard to deal with to stay three feet apart, but um, the only thing I think that would have been more challenging or worse was not playing. Playing was better than not playing, but the you know the hoops we had to jump through, um, you know, it was just unbelievable um, from a from a preparation standpoint. You know, we we typically have a good idea of who's going to have a conflict with practice because of their class schedule. But then you start, you know, we're testing every week and, you know, you, you put a game plan together and then all of a sudden a key element of your game plan tests positive or he is quarantined for contact tracing. And then, you know, it's, it's, it was not that unusual for us to be Thursday night after practice on Thursday, you know, scrambling to, you know, to try to, patch holes in a, in a plan that, um, you know, that was going to have to be different than we envisioned. So, um, you know, again, it was still much better than not playing, uh, but I'm looking forward to, to us getting back to what I remember to be normal. Yeah. As normal as we can be, which is what it looks like. Yeah. High school wise, we had to become more simple almost. We had to really simplify what we were doing. Yep. 
Um, sometimes this sounds bad. Some kids don't get as much reps as they maybe should have. And like you said, then we realized we have to because if a kid's out sick or doesn't show up or something, God forbid, not that they test positive, but if they go home and find out their parents did and they got to stay home, right. we lose something. So that's what we did at the high school level. But for us, we only had like two weeks of practice and that was it until the first game. So we sacrificed a lot of technique for scheme, yep. which, which keeps me up at night that I chose to do that. So I know colleges, you probably had way more time for drills. We did not. We were so worried about scheme that we sacrificed a lot of technique. Now I've overcompensated this summer of breaking everything down as simple as form that I can. Like I literally put cones out for their feet to know where to go. Like that's how overcompensated I became. Yep. Um, but that's what COVID did. I had to find a positive. Like it made me more simple. The Zoom. I hate Zoom, but I also like it because it makes things easy. But yeah, that was that was tough. Um, so. How did you find your way into the air raid offense? Like what kind – we all get drawn to an offense. That's the big debate of wing T offense. And like when sure. people battle, like, well, that's because you're drawn to the wing T. You're drawn to the spread. You're drawn to the air raid. What kind of made you say, okay, this air raid offense is for me. This is what I will call if I ever call plays. Um, it probably started as a college player. Um Played at Carson Newman in East Tennessee. Um, we were a split back veer team. I was a I was a quarterback, and running the split back veer, which is an incredibly difficult offense to defend, I physically got beat all to heck. Mm-hmm. And um, just you know, once I finished playing and I started coaching, you know, although I, I had a really good understanding of the veer, I just I couldn't see putting anyone else through what I had gone through. Um, And so the very first year uh, I was coaching, um, we did, we read a book by Tiger Ellison and with the lonesome polecat and we kind of dillied in the run and shoot. We had no idea what we were doing, but that's what we attempted to do. Um, You know, we had, mediocre results and so when the season was over I went to the head coach that I was working for and I said can I go learn the run and shoot and with his blessing um, over the next that spring that summer and then for the three following springs and summers I visited the University of Houston with Jack Jack Pardee was the head coach then and John Jenkins was the offensive coordinator uh, when I started my visits down there, then Coach Jenkins became the head coach. But I actually learned the run and shoot from from those guys, and and that's where it all started for me. And we were kind of uh, kind of stayed with the run and shoot philosophy there for a good number of years. And then um, 2009, maybe 2008, uh, I had a chance to spend a week with um, Mike Leach down at Texas Tech. And that is kind of when the light bulb went off and um, I I, I sift out all the run and shoot stuff and converted it all to air raids, um, you know, thoughts and and teachings. And and so since, I guess that was the spring of 2009. So ever since, 2008, I'm sorry. And so ever since then, beginning with the fall of 2008, I've been exclusively air raid ever since. 
um, people that have been lucky enough to go watch a Mike Leach spring practice always, I see them post or I'll ask about it and they say, I've never felt more overcomplicated about what I do until I go watch that and how simple he is with it. And I'm like, how can you get more simple than what I read? And they go, Steve, it's actually more simple than you think of how he does it. And that's why high school coaches are kind of swinging to it because how easy it is to install and run. Um, is that true, how easy he does it in practice? Like it's so simple? Uh, I think from, from a fundamental standpoint, yes. Um, I think where it gets – where what we're experiencing now um, – is we've been very successful, um, and so as we as we start our week of preparation on a Sunday, um, you know, and we're looking at the next opponent, you know, and we in our league we exchange everything. So, you know, if it's game seven, I've got six games of them to look at. Um, we don't ever get defended the way they've defended anybody else prior to our game, and so it's. You know, it's like a, the defense of the week in our game. And so um, our approach is – what we've done in our approach is as we're preparing for any opponent, it's a very broad approach. And it's – you know, and we don't talk about the opponent. We talk about the measure is, is against our own potential. And so we're going to have a cover two segment. We're going to have a cover three segment. We're going to have a quarter segment. We're going to have a man under segment. We're going to have a cover zero segment. We're going to cover all the things that we may or may not get on any given Saturday. Uh, because it, but what it boils down to is in-game adjustments. And, you know, we're going to have, a, we're going to have a, our plan A is – kind of the terminology I use, our plan A going into any one game is probably the simplest you've ever seen. Um, I say that confidently. Uh, no, and our players, especially the returners, know that after the first series, that plan A is we're going to probably get to plan B or plan C or plan D after the first series. Just, you know, once we discover what their – you know, what their point of emphasis are and what it is they're trying to take away from us. So, um, yes, fundamentally with the installation, um, what we teach, um, yeah, it's, it's really simple. Um, but, you know, it's, you, you can run the same play against cover three, cover two, or, or, or you get some kind of man under scheme and it doesn't look the same because you have route adjustments based off the coverage. And so, um, you know, I think where the complexity comes in, and, and that's not the right word, but where it gets away from that ultra simplicity is when you have route adjustments, you know, off of coverage. And so, you know, we've got to spend a lot of time making sure that we've got 11 guys where they're supposed to be based off of the front we're getting, the pressure we're getting, and the coverage we're getting. Yes. Do you guys incorporate any of the run and shoot with it? Like I'm seeing some doers are just pure – Eric, because I don't want to put words in Coach Mummy's mouth. I've seen where he's added a choice route on his mesh and stuff. Will you guys dabble in that, or is it just the simple area that we all see from Mike Leach? Open field, we are exclusively air raid. Okay. I, will, I will pull some, some run-and-shoot principles uh, once we get inside the – whatever yard line the defense gets into their goal line approach. I mean, it may be the seven or it may be the five, or maybe it's inside the five. 
we've got some run and shoot concepts that that will um, you know that will use you know once you get into your your goal line defense yeah that stuff marries pretty well together I think once you teach them it how does. to read stuff and yes and it's a nice little wrinkle like you said if if you run this play out of two by ten and you just do that one different thing it's going to look different when you go three by one it just looks completely different and Yes. Makes them practice longer. That defense is like, well, now they're going to do this. So how do we combat that? So that's why I like it. Now I'm an offensive line coach. I like to run the ball, but I love air raid pass concepts and seeing just one of the routes be a run and shoot. Run and shoot, I still don't know everything because they keep that thing locked. Right. That thing is locked. <laughs> and anytime I ask a run and shoot guy, they go, oh, I can't tell you. Or, <laughs> or it's, I could – then I'd have to kill you because then I'll get kicked out of the club. That's why I like the air raid guys. They can tell me anything. They'll, they'll let me know. It's not X's and O's. It's Jimmy's and Joe's. Yeah, so that's what they tell me. Or they just won't tell me the pass protection. That's the big secret of them all, of running shoot. They Coach Steve's show is sponsored by the Launchpad Kickoff Team. If you're a football coach out there, high school, college, NFL, doesn't matter, and you're looking for that edge for your special teams, for your kicker, for the kickoff, onsides, you guys need to go to launchpadkickofftee.com. If you have a younger guy trying to develop the kicker, you want the ball to get to the end zone, you need to go to Launchpad Kickoff Team. This tee gives a coach a strategic options for squib kicks, onsides, everything. It is proven that your kicker will kick off farther. It is legal for NCAA, for high school, okay? The Launchpad Kickoff Tee is a game changer. So if you go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS to use the code CSS, you can get a Launchpad Kickoff Tee for 10% off. So go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS. You can use the code CSS for the Coach Steve Show to get 10% off. Also, there's a bundle. You can get one for 10% off. You can go to two and get more percent off. Or there's an option to buy four. If you click the option to buy the four kickoff tees, if you like it so much, when you use the code CSS, you'll get the fourth one free. So instead of paying full price for all four, you'll get three. So go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS. Use the code CSS. Get 10% off. Buy four to get the fourth one free. This is a game changer, guys. It does more than just hold your balls. Go get the Launchpad Kickoff Tee today to give your kicker an edge for next season. As you guys know, the Coach Steve Show is also brought to you by the Unhinged Sports Network. The Unhinged Sports Network is a 24-hour, seven days a week, non-stop playing uh, radio podcast about any sport that you guys can imagine. They have a proud partnership with Fanatics. So if you go to the link in the description, uh, go to Fanatics, use that link, and go get some gear to support the Coach Steve Show and to support the Unhinged Sports Network. They have deals all the way up to 70% off. They have deals for free shipping, and they have every single sports team you could think of. Your college team is going to be on there. Your professional team is going to be on there. They have good deals on jerseys, t-shirts, hats, socks, anything you want. So please use the link in the description to go to fanatics.com. Say big on your team's gear to help support the the Unhinged Sports Network and to support the Coach Steve Show.
he will not give that up. Um, um, will you ever dabble in like H back stuff and like and and tie hand down tight ends, or is it strictly like spread? Because I talked to the OC at St. Xavier University up here mm-hmm. in the high school. Me and him had a good conversation. He goes, Steve, define spread offense. And I said, well, our school will go two by two, three by one. They'll bring a hand down tight end. He goes, that's not spread anymore. He's like, in his world, that's not spread anymore. You're bringing a pro set in. Mm-hmm. So will you ever go to a pro set and dabble in that, or is it just strictly we're going to spread the field out? Um, I, I will play with 11 personnel, um, you know, play with the tight end with three wides. The one thing I think that makes us a little bit unique is um, only under special circumstances will I ever get in two backs. Okay, okay so I'm almost exclusively either one back or empty, uh, but I will play with one, and we have played with two tight ends at a time, uh, especially against the tight front. Uh, we'll get in two tight ends against the tight front. Um, but we don't. But by changing the personnel groupings, it does not affect what we are capable of doing. It may tilt what we're most likely to do, but we can still run anything from any of our sets, any of our personnel groupings. I actually like seeing mesh out of a hand down tight end to come underneath. It's, I feel like that works well. Uh, it seems like to me that when you when you attach a guy beside the tackle that and he you release him. He is probably the most likely to get lost within the coverage. Um, the defense kind of has a tendency to lose sight of him. And so, you know, whether it's mesh or shallow or cross or, you know, really anything. And it, tidying up the seam is, you know, seems to go scot-free quite often too. So I do think, um, I do think there's some advantages um, to that. I, I think the challenge that we have um, – is that's probably the most difficult player to find in the recruiting process. Mm-hmm. The guys that are really good at it, you know, are getting scholarshiped up, you know, by the either the big boys or the FCS schools, and um, you know, and certainly the Division twos are after those guys as well. But it just because high school offenses seem to be getting, you know, uh, over the last ten years have gotten more in line with what we do or what we do ph- philosophically. There are fewer and fewer teams playing with a true tight end or a fullback, for that matter. And um, and so those guys seem to just don't seem to be enough of those guys when you get into the recruiting process to go around. I don't know if people know what a fullback is anymore. <laughs> I don't know if they know what that is anymore. Uh, we were blessed in the spring. We had like a six two or six three tight end that could put his hand in the dirt, and we walked in and I was like, "He's a hand down tight end, and he could line up wide." I haven't seen that in a while, and he's a rugby player too. So we're like, "Yep, that that's the guy." And that's a good point. You don't see that, but I do think football's making a circle. More and more high schools, at least, are going back to like buck sweep runs and and. I feel like football is going to make a full circle in high school. Like it's going to come back around where they're going to run belly and buck sweep and stuff because defenses are now geared towards let's stop the RPOs, let's stop the passing. So what do we do? We're like, well, let's run. Let's run the ball. So I feel like football is going to – you might start finding them here soon. The tight ends may come back because we're starting to – I know for me, we're starting to come back around. 
like pin and pull and all this stuff. We're coming full circle. Well, that'd be, that would be great as far as helping us out in, recru- <laughs> in recruiting, just having, you know, more of a group to choose from or, you know, spread that group out over more schools. So, I think you will. I think here in a couple of years, you're going to see more tight ends. That's just me. I could be wrong. I'm a nobody high school coach, but I, I think that's what will happen. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Um, since you are air raid, I'm going to ask the question that everybody probably asks, do you run the ball? That's probably their question of like, will you ever run the ball? Like how mommy Mike Leach don't, I know high school coaches that are air raid. They won't run it. That's a quarterback decision. They will not call a run play. You guys still line up and run the ball. If the box presents itself. Absolutely. Um, and, and so yes, I would tell you that we are air raid based. Um, but what I will tell you that's even bigger than that winning trumps everything. Right. And if, if we're not blessed with a quarterback that can spin it 60 times and give us a great chance to win, that's not what we're going to do. We may line up in the same formations, but we're we're not going to throw it to say we throw it or, you know, it's just, I'm going to get, my, I'm going to get retained in my position based on the number of times we win or the number of times we score. And, and so we're going to be very production-based. Um, and so, as the, you know, when our guys report to camp, the biggest challenge we're going to have as a staff this year, as we do every year, is how quickly can we discover what this group of guys is really good at doing. Now, 2018 um, – we led all of college football in throwing and throwing passing yardage per game. Uh, Mike Leach's Washington State team was the second-ranked team in that category. Um, but I also coached a guy that was a finalist for the Glory Award. He goes to camp with the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, we, he was special, and that was his senior year. And he was, by the way, it was his fourth year starting for us. So um, we don't get that that set of circumstances, you know, very often. Um, now we're still gonna we'll still be effective throwing, uh, but you know you go back. His name is Hayden Ballsman. Uh, when Hayden was a freshman, we probably threw it. Um, just going off of memory now, we we're probably in the 42, 45 times a game, uh, but probably two thirds of those were three step passes. You know we were in quick game, mm-hmm. um, and as Hayden developed and as he got more comfortable with what we were doing. And we were also playing with three sophomore offensive linemen Hayden's freshman year. So we weren't great at pass five-step protection. Um, 
So kind of the combination of we're not great pass protectors. Hayden's not incredibly comfortable with our five-step game at this point. We were a three – we were – our pass game was oriented out of the quick game or out of the three-step game. Um, when Hayden was a junior, we were about 75% concept-based or five-step. Those three sophomore linemen are now seniors. We were incredibly good protecting um, – you know, and Hayden had developed really nicely. And then when Hayden was a senior, we again were about 80% pass, uh, excuse me, about 80% five-step in our pass concepts. Um, but but it, we threw it 555 times that year, and we surrendered six sacks. So, you know, we graduated those three offensive linemen that had an awful lot of experience our production in pass protection um, was the best it's ever been, at least while we've been at Shenandoah. But the kind of the, the missing component there, the thing that people don't either catch on to or they don't admit is how good Hayden was at realizing, I don't have what I'm looking for. I'm going to throw it away, and I'm going to take second and 10 as opposed to second and 16. Um, you know, so we, we did surrender six sacks in that season, but the number of times he made the decision to just, you know, throw it away and minimize the damage, um, you know, was substantial and, and certainly was a huge part. As much as, as much as his 44 touchdown passes were, his, his decisions to throw the ball away and, and not have a negative play were, um, you know, were tremendously important to our success that season. That's crazy that you guys were number one in all of the that's that's impressive, you know, especially out of the big boys. Like that's that's impressive to to be number one and beat you beat Mike Leach in that category. Well, you know, it was not you know, we didn't look at it, you know, as as that, hey, this is us against Washington State or this is us against Sanford was really good throwing the ball that year too, down at FCS down in Alabama. Um, you know, it was never a check stats and, hey, how do we do versus them? It's just the way it unfolded. And, again, it, tr- winning trumps everything else. And so what plan, what, what approach gives us the best chance to have more points at the end of the game than this week's opponent? And, you know, you know we threw it 555 times, so we were 55 and a half throws a game, and um, that was the approach most weeks. So, um, But, again, we – it's about Jimmy's and Joe's. So we had a really talented quarterback. We had a really good set of receivers. Um, and, and we were we were quite skilled up front as well. So one thing that I respected that you said was when you come into camp, you're gonna see you're gonna focus on what can they do, not what can't they do. You're gonna say, Correct. Can they do this? I think so that's what we're doing right now, rebuilding a program. I think more coaches need to hear that of focus on what the kids can do and mold that into your system rather than force them to do something that they can't do and not be successful. So I respect that you said that because some coaches probably need to hear that more often than not. Because I know plenty of coaches that say they have to do this when they can't do it. So I do do think that that is is a a significantly important piece of our, of our overall philosophy and, you know, we've been running this, or at least I've been running this since 2000, uh, 2008. And, and so, you know, we're looking at about 14 or 15 years of notes and 
diagrams and um, you know we've got a we've got a plan A for camp which is our install uh, it's probably 10% of what the three ring binder holds um, you know and it's just uh, every decision we make it's it's focused on we are very personnel driven and and from that standpoint you know if you take something as simple as the shallow concept there have been seasons where we only ran shallow with one receiver because he was really good at running the shallow route itself but complementing that we had a guy that could also run the window route behind it um you know and but he was okay running the shallow but he was really good at finding that window in the, between the linebackers on the window route and and you know so it's just because somebody else does it just because coach leach does it or coach riley at oklahoma does it, it it, yes, it's a great idea, but if it doesn't fit our guys that are going to be in our locker room, we're not going to we're not going to spend time on it. And um, again, the focus is on what what can I, our guys do really well? What are their strengths? And let's build an approach that is um, just supported by their strengths. Right. We all need to do that. And I think COVID helped us. Like I said earlier, it helped me personally do that. Like, what can they do? What can't they do? And we're going to focus on that. Because I'm the run game coordinator. I focus on what can they do? What can't they do? And we go from there. Right. Um, so what is your favorite quick game? And what's your favorite drop back pass? Um, well, our day one install is going to be four verticals. Okay. It doesn't matter what pieces of the puzzle we have or what pieces of the puzzle we're missing. Uh, we are we are all convinced that if you cannot lift the coverage, the windows underneath are going to get awfully small. And so, uh, day one we're going to install we're going to install the four verticals, whether you call it six, whether you call it go, whatever your terminology is. We're going to stretch the field vertically. Uh, that'd be our number one pass or my favorite pass concept. And then uh, quick game probably would be a slant from number one with a wheel route from number two. Um, uh, it, it's something we run in the open field. It's something we'll run at the goal line also. And, you know, it just, it kind of, it kind of fits some coverages no matter where you are on the field. Um, but it seems to be something that, our skill set of the guys that we do yield in the recruiting process, it fits them really well. And we usually have outside guys that are good slant runners and our inside guys are, you know, good, good wheel runners. So when you're installing six, I know, I don't know, but when I watch people talk about it, they base, so I know it's vertical and then they read what the, the defenders do and then they switch it off. How do you teach that to them of what route they're going to run? You know, are they going to run a hitch? Are they going to run a post or however they read it? Like, how do you teach that to them? Because that intrigues me. I think a lot of high school coaches don't do because they don't understand how to teach it. So how would you teach that to kids that are coming into your program? Like, this is how I'm going to teach you to read this. Really trying to get my oatmeal now, aren't you? <laughs> uh, the... Um, what, where we have migrated to is if we're running six, um, our inside guys are hash plus two on the college hashes. So that gets you on the high school hashes. 
they don't have any adjustments. Uh, the quarterback can throw them open. We don't bend our inside receivers versus cover two. We will throw them open. Um, the outside guys, they are reading the corner to their side. And if they get a zone turn corner, they're gonna, that's the one they're going to chop off. If they get a man turn corner, they're going to take it through. And, and that, is, that is six. Um, you start talking about the hitches and the slants. Those are tags. Those are changed routes. And those come from the quarterback based off of coverage. So, if, for instance, if we're getting a cover three look um, and the overhang player, say, is inside leverage of number two, then he may signal hitch out to the number one because he doesn't think the overhang player can get in the throwing lane. Um, and, and one of the things that, that I get tired of saying, I know our guys get tired of hearing it, is don't turn down a completion. Um, you know, so if, if, we have, if we have delivered the message that we will throw it over your head and the corners that normally line up at six or seven, if they're now lining up at nine, you know, that's the chance, that's the opportunity to throw the hitch underneath them. Um, and, and so that's, that's 100% quarterback driven. Now, we spend a significant amount of time during the week in the film room. Um, and, and we're looking for those opportunities. And, you know, and certainly with leverage and with depth, I mean, there's carryover week to week, no matter who the opponent is. Um, but, you know, we're awfully, we're, we're able to learn so much through film study um, you know, the one thing we talk about with coverage with the quarterbacks is you don't count on the corners to, to tell you what the coverage is because corners can lie. Uh -huh. safeties, safeties have to tell the truth. Corners can lie. And, you know, but there may be a guy that, uh, for instance, we've had, we'll have a case every year where if a corner, um, you know, is, is that a four, is stance, pre-snap stance is at a 45 degree angle, then he's going to be an outside defender, a zone defender. And, and that same guy, if he squares to the number one receiver, it's a man, you know, he's in a, he's going to play man from that position. So, you know, through the week and through film study, we can get some tales that really help us on game day. Um, other than, you know, just the, just the normal things that we talk about with, you know, where's the leverage and what's his depth and what's his responsibility from that alignment. So, um, but film study is so critical to us. Basically, the way we talk about it is we want to have the answers before the questions asked. Right. Um, that's another thing I like about the air raid is the quarterback can check. You can call a play, but if they see something open, they can do it. Like you said, from film study, from practice of understanding yeah. what's open. And, and I feel you can put that in any offense. If you want anything like that, you can put it in if you study it and understand what you're looking for. And um, I like white, I like cross myself and a coach the night before put in cross and they ran smash on the backside of it to occupy that safety. And I, yep. that might be my favorite way of seeing, seeing it. I love the out route, but seeing smash on the backside, he's a run and shoot guy that put this up too. So he put that and he goes, I'm going to put that safety in a bind. Do you want to go with the corner? And if you go with the corner, this crosser's coming right underneath. Right. Um, I love that's, it. I love that's it. a really good pairing. I like that. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll do the exact same thing, and we'll run slot fade on the backside. So it accomplishes the same thing. Right. But. 
I, that's a, that's a really good a really good approach there. And I like play. I don't call offense anymore, but I like to play actioning off of it because if you can suck that backer down, but then you change the crosser's alignment because you know he goes under over. Well, if he comes down, he can just go underneath again. Right. Like it does, as long as you have a landmark, then it, it, it fits pretty well. That's true. Um, yeah, I just had to ask about six. You know, we have to ask about it. We, we're all curious about six. You hear it all the time, especially with Michael Crabtree. That's the famous play was running six and scores on Texas. Well, he got his own turn corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Graham Harrell put it right where he wasn't going to be. Yes, he did. Because um, Coach Sheffer, I'm on his podcast a lot. And uh-huh. he's a Texas fan, so I have to bring that up every now and then of that play. Um, and he gets a laugh out of it. I make it my background sometimes on here. I put a picture of Michael Crabtree up, and I'm like, you know that play was six, right? <laughs> what do you mean it was six? It's like he scored, didn't he? There's your six point. <laughs> it certainly um, was. I'm trying – what was my other question? Is there any other, like, favorite dropback besides six? Is there any, like, other ones? And, like, what's, like, a good tag? I know a lot of tags are, like, posts. Like, I've seen a lot of people tag post off a of mesh. You go in with many tags for a play, or is it just depending on what you're about to see? Because you said you don't know what you're going to see, but is there, right. is there, like, tags, like, okay, for these plays, these are only tags that can go with it. Because if you start tagging all over the place, it just grows that playbook, you know. So is it just, like, we're only going to tag certain things, or is it just wide open, we can tag whatever we want? How big, how big our menu of plays gets is controlled by – what can we practice in one practice? Um, if our, if we're, if we come in off of, and we never practice longer than two hours, um, if you if you eliminate, if you eliminate the time that we spend in flex and stretch, in conditioning and in special teams, I am working with about seventy five minutes per day in practice for offense. Um, if we come in after a practice and we didn't get to everything that we're preparing to run, then we're trying to do too much. Um, and so that kind of goes back to the, how many tags do you have? We don't tag very much at all. Okay. Um, now I won't tell you, we don't tag anything, but um, usually the concept will take care of it. And the, the post snap, the post-snap route adjustment will take care of it. You know, for instance, um, you mentioned cross, which is, I would have to say, is my second favorite. Um, you know, we'll do some things off of cross. We read it differently than most everybody else. Um, we read the safety to the crosser's alignment. Uh, if he drives on the crosser, we're going to throw the post over his head. And if, you know, if he, if he is a high if he's a post defender, then we're going to throw the cross. So that's how we read that. And then the backside of it where you were talking about smash or, you know, the out and the fade or, you know, whether it's slot fade, whatever, that's the pressure. That's the answer if the defense is bringing pressure. Um, But we will also on the backside of, or on the front side of cross, we'll post curl the number one rather than posting it. And, and that's a tag that that's probably the most run tag in our offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you take a, you know, a 10 game season and you break it down and you ask what was your most run tag for the year, I, you know, usually it's going to be, we're going to, you know, we're going to run post curl on the, on the front side of cross. 
Yeah. Uh, that's another thing. People tag, they have like one tag for each play. When I talk to high school, I coaches, like I only tag post on this one. I only tag vertical on this. So they keep it simple, mm-hmm. but it's going to look different. So yes. when that defensive coordinator is watching it, like, well, one time they did this, but another time they did this. Right. And like you said, a lot of the reads have been outside backer or the safety. That's really like where you're seeing where they go. And I'm going to bring that tomorrow about safeties are going to tell the truth. I'm telling our defense coordinator that tomorrow. Like, always watch them. They'll tell you. That's a good. Safeties can't lie. Corners, gee whiz, don't trust a corner. <laughs> but, you know, if, they, if they're giving you a too high look pre-snap and one of them's rolling to the middle and they're going to rock the other one down to be a run fit guy, uh, they can't hide it. There's no way they can hide it. No way. Right. Um, you mentioned you see a lot, of, a lot of different defenses. This might be a weird question. What's the weirdest thing you've seen for people to try to stop? You've probably seen it all. Like, what's something you just saw and you go, why are they doing this? Or like, yeah, this gave me a real fit without um, them being better. Because sometimes you just run into a team that's better. Oh, absolutely. Um, at really, really athletic defensive linemen is what gives us the most fits. Um, you know, if your level one guys are better than our level one guys, it's going to be a long night. It really doesn't matter what else we're doing. Um, usually when I see something um, that's um, unusual, the, the comment that's made at the time is not fit for radio. Um, <laughs> but we had an opponent, I think, in 2017 that based out of a two-man front and they dropped nine. Um, we have on occasion gotten one rusher and 10 drops. Um, it, 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 gets, it, it gets a little crazy, and, and there's no way that we can prepare our guys, you know, for that. You know, we've got to spend our time on, you know, on the base stuff, you know, a four-man front with a two, you know, a two-linebacker box. So, uh, you know, three down with two in the box or three down with, you know, their stack. So they're playing a six-man box. We've got to spend our time preparing for that. And then we get the, the wonky stuff, and it's, you know, it's just we just make adjustments on the move, and <laughs> we say, you know, don't worry about it. It's just like this for you, and it's just like this for you. And, um, you know, talking young players off the ledge is – you know, it's a big part of making in-game adjustments. No, the stuff not meant for radio, I know what you're saying. I understand <laughs> what you're getting at. I've been there. I get it. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen a two-down line and drop back. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. But we don't throw it all the time. Well, that was the year that, was the year that we led the country in passing. Oh. So. We're – we just see it. We're seeing a ton of three, three or three, five. Now we're seeing a ton of that because mm-hmm. Iowa state made it popular with the one yeah. high safety and, and then the three threes become popular because it messes with angles and it messes with this and, um, and four eyes. I hate four eyes. We've seen a ton of the tight defense come back mm-hmm. that bare front ton of it. And that causes problems with all that. that sure it does. These defense coordinators are getting too smart. And just, the chess match continues. Chess, it does. It does. When I get those four eyes, I just say trap him. But that's yeah. just me. That's just trap him or fold block him. Or read him. When in doubt, read him. You could just, there you go. But I'm stupid. But that's, that's what I come up with. 
Well, Coach, I've taken a lot of your time tonight. I know we've got stuff to do. I know you said you teach, so I gotta, you got to – oh, yeah, that was what I asked you. Like, what's teaching like after football? Like, what do you teach? Uh, in the spring semester, I, I teach a class to education majors, uh, mostly health and PE majors, about how to teach health in the secondary school. Um, that's, that one's a lot of fun because that's, that's what I did when I was – coaching at the high school level. Um, and then also, uh, you won't keep a straight face on this one. Uh, I also teach a class coaching football. It's a one hour class. And so our university offers a minor in coaching. And in order to uh, earn your minor in coaching, you have to take 12 one hour sport classes, how to coach this. And I teach the football class. And um, we have a lot of fun in that and use a lot of game film from, you know, that, that I've acquired from different places, whether it's the NFL or, you know, big boy football, or, you know, sometimes we'll even show some of our games, but, um, but it's, it gets, it gets really interesting. And um, the, the neatest experiences with the coaching football class have been where people have come up with ideas that I actually implemented <laughs> afterwards because um, they were really good ideas and you know and maybe they were missing part of the domino effect of well if then if then if then um, but you know with but they kind of they own the rights to that idea and I just you know implement it and um, you know because it fits our guys at the time so uh, what a neat experience to spend part of your time with that and usually football players are in the coaching football class so I get to spend some you know time outside of the you know the normal coach player um, arena with those guys and and so that's that's pretty rewarding oh no don't worry I went to Eastern Illinois University and they had a football coaching class with coach Spoo when he was (laughs) he was there and I took it don't worry I took that coaching basketball uh, baseball and something else. Yeah, I took them. And there you go. The football one was really cool. Coach Spoo did it the first part, and then the second part, Dino Babers was there, so he comes in and does it. And he's done okay. Him. Yeah, he's done okay. And, <laughs> he's done <and> okay. <laughs> they kind of opened the door up to that offense he brought from Baylor, and you got to see them draw it up. And you know, and each coach came in. Each it was a two day a week, and each coach came in. Each position came in. Awesome. It was really cool. So, yeah, uh, I kept a straight face because I was like, I know what you're talking about. And others may not. I was like, that's cool, though. Like, that's – I wish every college offered that. I think more people would show up if they did that. Well, Coach, I really appreciate you taking your time to do this. Um, I love talking air raid stuff. Um, that's an offense I get drawn to, the passing concepts. Just – when I hear someone talk air raid, my ears perk up. I'm like, yes, what are you talking about? Like, what's going on? And some run stuff, but the past stuff, I love it. And I have notebooks of just watching stuff and taking notes and getting film, and I try to see. And I think the big guy follows Coach Drew Piscopo. He's the one that I just – Drewby's awesome. I coached Drew. Oh, did you in in college? I coached Drew in college at Emory and Henry. Okay. Yeah, every time he posts something, I draw it up because he (laughs) – Oh. Uh, he is probably as sharp uh, an air raid guy as is. He's the one. When I have a question, he's the one I call. And oh, wow. uh, I mean, he is. 
he's pretty sharp. Yeah. He's done really well for himself. He has. Well, Coach, I really appreciate you taking time to do this. I, I do mean that. Um, everybody out there listening, thank you so much. Go follow Coach on Twitter. Um, I'll be following Shenandoah because of you and Coach Oakley. Um, he was a great guy to have on, great guy, very knowledgeable. Um, this is Coach Steve, and we're signing off. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.